0: This podcast is brought to you from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus
1: on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode sixty of the Ed Tech Takeout, the podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I'm joined by Mindy Carney. How are you feeling, Mindy?
0: Um, you know, I've been better, but I'm here. I'm. Uh Podcasting from home today, trying not to cough into the microphone, things of that nature. You're a trooper. You know, I am a diehard. I uh, really believe in this work, so <laughs> so I'm doing it. Let's do it.
1: <laughs> Who else do we have with us today, Mindy?
0: So we have Marissa Dahl with us today, and she's going to be um, actually here with the, the whole podcast today, but uh, we asked her on to talk... And be, I don't know, can I say she is our main course today? Is that weird? I don't know.
1: It's always a bit weird.
0: It is a little bit weird. But, Marissa, do you want to tell us what you do and what your position is?
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. My name is Marissa Dahl, like uh, Mindy said, and I am one of the instructional technology consultants at Heartland AEA. So, Jonathan and Mindy and I all have similar jobs. We just uh, serve different districts in Iowa.
0: Well, thanks for coming on. Um, We are excited to have you today, especially me, which means I don't have to talk as much. You can definitely happen and do all of the jabbing at Wiley that I normally do. How about that? Okay. <laughs> so we're going to start with some news and follow up. Wiley, you've got a list here.
1: Yeah, I always have a okay. list. Yes. Um, yeah, I
0: know. I know.
1: So first one, I mean, if I get this wrong, you're going to have to correct me because I know you always do. And somebody on Twitter corrected me, uh, one of our listeners. Uh, It's Tour Creator Tours can now be created in Google Expeditions on iOS. It's Tour Creator, right? Not Tour Builder.
0: It's not Tour Builder. That's a different thing. I think Tour Builder probably is going to go away is is what I envision and that Tour Creator kind of took over for Tour Builder, but... So you can create it inside Google Expeditions or you can create Tour Creator and pull it into Google Expeditions?
1: You can create in Tour Creator and then really? pull it into Expeditions oh. as long as you're okay. signed in with the same Google account.
0: Oh, nice. Have you played with us at all?
1: I've tried it and can confirm that it works, but um, I haven't like, led an expedition yeah. of any size to test that out yet. But yeah, it should work.
0: This is exciting because with Google Expeditions, I think we always are like, how do we move beyond just the consumption of it? And this makes it much easier to have our students be the creators of it too. You know, and being able to pull it into expeditions—that's awesome.
1: Marissa, do you have a lot of teachers over in the Des Moines area using uh, Google Expeditions?
2: Yes, yeah, so we just got a set here at Heartland, and so we're excited to have that uh, go into some more classrooms. But one of our consultants, uh, Jeff Glade, he actually worked with a special or with a Spanish teacher. Um, she couldn't find a Google Expedition that. Um, fit for her um because i think they were planning on uh going on a trip uh to spain and so what they ended up doing is the locations that they were going um they actually ended up creating their own using tour creator and so um they were able to kind of map out their trip um by creating their own. nice
1: perfect Um, Okay, so I'm going to put this one in as well. This was uh, in to poke you, Mindy. Um, Mm -hmm. I saw this blog post by Jake Miller, and I thought it was kind of interesting because I know what a big Google Drawings fan you are. Mm -hmm. And um, it's about how to insert drawings into docs that are assigned through Classroom. I thought it was kind of an interesting workflow where, you know, you create like a doc and you share a, a copy of that with every student in Google Classroom and um what the idea he had was to insert a google drawing in there and so that students can double click on the drawing and then annotate and highlight it and and do all that good stuff could mm-hmm. you do that in google slides mindy uh yeah can you
0: i'm going to just continue to say this whatever you can do in google drawings you can do in google slides okay all of those features just get pulled into google slides or into actually it all started with what I've started calling the Slugel.
1: You called it the what?
0: The Slugel. Slides and Google. Slugel. Okay. And I feel like the Slugel is the Swiss Army knife, right, of of Google. And they, I mean, drawings came after. So it's just, it's like ugly stepchild. It's fine.
1: Ugly stepchild? Yeah. Wow. I, you know, I can see why they called it Slides and not Slugel. Um, why? But, uh, I like well, Slugel. I don't know. That sounds a bit weird.
0: Okay, well, whatever. But you could do the same stuff. Although, I I mean, I think it's fine. It's a great workflow. It's not, I mean, it's, yeah, it's great. Right on. All Ready right. Okay. Yeah.
1: So next one then on the list here. I'm curious as to what you guys think of this. Um, okay. This is something new that came out, the new Chromebook App Hub right. from Google. And it seems to be like a platform that, Google's created to help teachers think about new ways to use Chromebook apps and the developers have a have a part in this where they can help showcase some of the ideas and things that teachers are doing. I guess it's kind of an interesting idea of, you know, how to connect the developers and the the teachers together to help both sides get the get some benefits and the most out of their apps. Any thoughts?
0: Well, I think it's Great to be transparent and allow. I mean, I think you probably get more powerful tools, right? If you're got that all opened up and letting people in there, it's up in the business.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I think some of the ones that have on the front page, you know, Book Creator and Screencastify are all great ones that a lot of our schools are using. So as long as it's not one of those things that they pay to get their app on there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, just another way to share some ideas and, and get the word out there. I mean, Things like, uh, I don't know, Facebook groups get very busy sometimes, as you guys know, I'm sure, for these type mm-hmm. of things. But this seems maybe one place you can go just to have it all, in, all together one in one place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see where that goes and see what that turns out like. But we'll put a link to that in the show notes if anybody's interested in checking it out.
0: Yeah. Oh, this next one's a good one. Did you play with us at all?
1: Well, I did a little bit, yeah. But yeah, I thought I'd let you talk to it because oh, you, you were okay. also playing with it, aren't you?
0: I played with it a little bit, um, kind of like you did. So um, how did this conversation come up? What were well, we is a, working on before?
1: This is a follow-up. R- Rachel Smith uh, hit us up on Twitter, one of our yeah. listeners, and said, um, hey, I know you guys are always uh, talking about Padlet and how disappointed you are that Padlet <laughs> is now paid. Our love
0: relationship with Padlet. Yeah, that's right. Y- yep.
1: Yeah, and she said... Have you thought about using numbers to do any of that kind of work? Right. And she li- hooked us up with a couple of people who had been experimenting with that. And we now have a blog post of a workflow yeah. that somebody used for that. So yeah. what did you think of that?
0: I thought it was interesting. So um, what uh, and this was from Rachel Smith, but actually it's Kirk Kleinen, Is that right? Correct. Is that how you would get? Yeah. So Kirk Klein's blog post about how um, he's been using numbers, but he deletes out the actual grid inside, um, numbers. And I guess, you know what, I, I have to admit that I haven't been inside, um, numbers like more than once in my life, maybe twice. (laughs) And, um, it allows you to add all of those things like, like, uh, Padlet does, you know, that's the great thing about Padlet is all those built-in tools. And so you don't have to go here and record this and pull it in has all of those built-in tools and numbers does too, apparently, which I didn't realize. Um, so yeah, it's pretty powerful actually, if you think about it and allows you to organize and concept map and all of those different things that, um, Padlet let you do, um, without all of the, well, running into a paywall like you do with Padlet.
1: Yeah. Maybe wonder if, uh, you could do all this in Google drawing as well, Mindy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The only thing is, is you can't add video straight into Google drawing. Can That's- you? I mean, Google slides, you can.
1: Um, I have absolutely but no idea. Google yeah. drawings. I don't know. <laughs> I would have to try that and see.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it was the nice thing. What I always think is neat about this kind of thing is, I think we get caught up so much in what's the new tool, what's the new tech, but what we really should be looking at are the tools that we already have and and using them in different ways and trying to think outside the box of how we, how to use them. And I think that's what's really neat about this idea is that someone took a tool that they were familiar with. And found a different way to use it. And I always get really excited about that.
1: Yeah, you've talked about that before. That's that kind of Matt Miller philosophy, isn't it? Of uh, making the most of what you already have.
0: Matt Miller? What about me? Why is it Matt Miller's philosophy?
1: I thought you said you read about it in a Matt Miller blog post one time.
0: I did? Oh, crud. Okay, fine. It's Matt Miller's
2: idea. Okay. We'll let him have
0: it.
1: Great minds think alike.
2: I guess. I don't know. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. I was looking to see if you could add... Videos in the Google Draw, and it doesn't look like it.
1: Oh, boom. Mm. And Numbers is one of those things. I think it comes on iPads now. Maybe it doesn't come with iPads, but it's one of those like default Apple apps that everybody has access to and can use. And you can share it and make it available on the web and share links with other people. So it's an interesting idea, for sure.
0: You said this, and I have to ask the question is, so you said you can still use numbers online, but do you have to have your an Apple ID to do, the, to do that?
1: You do, yep.
0: Okay. So that and would be a little bit of a bump in the road.
1: Yeah, and actually the online yeah. version doesn't have the same number of features. Like, it okay. doesn't let you add video online okay. and things yeah. like that. So, but interesting idea, for sure.
0: Yeah, it is, yeah. Thanks for sharing.
1: Last one on the list here then, Mindy. I know we oh, talked about okay. my... Uh, Prowess with brainstorming in previous episodes. Uh Uh, I came across a couple of articles. I was just browsing around the web here, and uh, one here from the Harvard Business Review saying, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's better to uh, brainstorm alone. Right. And uh, the other one saying, The best ideas come out when you're alone and not in group meetings. Sure. Some recent research that was out there on Mm -hmm. maybe suggesting like a hybrid approach to brainstorming where you brainstorm by yourself first and Uh then you come back and discuss those ideas together as a group and then pick some good ideas from there. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of that?
0: Well, I think a lot of my ideas come, my best ideas, I think, come when I am alone because I one of the things I would say about brainstorming is there's a pressure to have like a good idea in front of other people where Mm -hmm. if you're brainstorming by yourself, it's like, I'm just gonna, you know, kind of think about this. And, um, a lot of my ideas either, you know, actually come while I'm driving in my car. So, um, yeah, I kind of get that, but I do think it's important, um, to bring it back to the group. Right. And that the group still has to accept those ideas. Mm-hmm. Is that where this is going? Is that I it was so, a pushback yeah. of me saying, like, giving you a hard time about your brainstorming capabilities?
1: That's exactly where I was going.
0: Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, but it's still good to honor those people's ideas, right, and not shoot them down immediately.
1: This is probably too much information, but I think my best ideas come in the shower.
0: Okay, well, thanks for sharing that.
1: Awkward pause there. Yes. <laughs> yep. I'll put some crickets in later. Or something. okay. Good. Yeah.
2: I totally agree with that too. Um, I think you have really, really good ideas when you on your own, but I think they only get better when you share it um, because then you have your team to think through, like how can I even make that better. Um, Oftentimes, when you're brainstorming as a group, you know, one person goes off this, you know, goes down this road, and then we all feel like we have to go down that road, and we might, you know, not even acknowledge some of the really great ideas that somebody else had that wasn't even close to that road, so. I like the idea of um, just brainstorming on your own and then getting into groups and everyone sharing their ideas and then choosing bits and pieces that are the best of all the ideas to come up Mm -hmm. with the the best idea.
0: Yeah, I didn't thought about that. It's like a snowballing brainstorm, right, where one person starts with their idea and then you continue to build off of that idea instead of bringing in fresh, clean ideas. That's a good point. I didn't thought of that. Okay, up next is our main course today. As we mentioned, Marissa is here with us today and going to be sharing um, some of our ideas around um, some, I don't know, learning that you've been doing, right, around screen time with students and social media and the effects that um, those things have on our students, right?
2: Yeah, I have. And it's kind of uh, evolved a little bit. Um, I kind of started last March um, around spring break, actually kind of following, a little, uh, this guy called Colin Kartnich. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is off his rocker. Um, I did not believe in what he was saying at all because I mean, our jobs are to share how technology can be used in our classroom. And so by me being uncomfortable for a while and not choosing to unfollow him, um, I kind of had a greater, have a better understanding of, um, what social media and screen time, um, how they how it's affecting our kids? So when you think about it, you know most of us are, are we're all out of high school. And we're all at college, college and um, we want we do think about some of the you know dumbest things that we ever did in high school, and to think about how those could be how could, we could search for Marissa Doll and see you know all of a sudden I see a picture um, of something I re- I did in high school, and then I'd be completely embarrassed about it and think about the you know our jobs and our and our friends and I, and that we have now, um, would that be something that we'd still want to show up on social media? And so are we, are, are, are our teens who have um, access to social media, are they are they ready to take on um, that responsibility of something that might show up when they're 20, 30, 40 years old?
0: Yeah, I um, know that, and I may have mentioned this before in the podcast, I'm not sure, but um, back Oh, when my kids were younger than they are now, although they're still young, I happened to come through some pictures from um, college and was like, oh, wow, I'm going to just go ahead and burn these because (laughs) I don't um, really want these to ever be discovered. And it wasn't like they were terrible, but they, you know, I didn't want my kids seeing them, right? Because how could I have discussions with them about making good choices and whatever when, I obviously um, didn't make all the best choices in my, you know, past. And and it really did then make me think, wow, it's so easy for me to destroy evidence of the dumb things I did, which is what being a kid is, right? Like, I want yep. my kids to make dumb mistakes and to look back and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. But wow, that was super fun. Um, but I don't want it to chase them down for the rest of their lives either. And I think we have it easy right now. Um but yeah, moving forward, it it definitely places a lot more responsibility on our youngest kids um, to make those good decisions um, for later on in life. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure they can do it.
2: Yeah, and I mean for us, I think we're all in the same boat. You know, those pictures are in totes, you know, on in our basements yeah. or at our parents' yeah, houses. Right. You know, those are things that are plastered for everyone to see, where we can quickly, you know, just disperse of those. Yeah. Right. So I guess my why is after learning a little bit more about the effects, um, I kind of started thinking about my own social media use and what do I want to see and how do I feel on social media. I did a little bit of research on um, just through even common sense media that digital wellness And I started kind of doing that self-regulation of like when I'm on Instagram, when I'm on Facebook, when I'm on Twitter, how does it make me feel? Am I angry? Am I frustrated? Am I lonely? Am I, does it make me happy, excited? Um, And so now I'm a little bit more, you know, if I acknowledge something that made me upset or something that didn't um, resonate with me, I can quickly unfollow that person. And I remember Mm -hmm. saying that in a presentation and I had a high school or a college student come up to me. And she had said that someone had told her that she could unfollow people, and she said she had never felt so much so empowered before. Because they, you know, when you're when you want to have as many followers as you can,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, she's like, how do I tell my high school sister that? unfollow people and so I think we need to make sure that we you know we want to make sure that our our kids understand that it's not about how many followers are and that there's somebody out there that's not making you feel good about yourself and not um and not helping your self-esteem that it's okay to follow or even um I've lately I've uh snooze in Facebook you can snooze them for 30 days yeah right and so just to see how that changes your um your self-regulation and and just learning how to self-regulate yourself so, and I'm not here to um, preach. Um, we all have social media. We have we have kids, and so I want to know. I want everyone to know that I just like to have uh, conversations and how to lead conversations, of still take conversations, and know that we all know what's best for our kids. And um, just so you know um, a little bit about the research out there, and then maybe a little bit more self regulation about it.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, the tough part is, and in, in all this, I think for kids today is that peer pressure element. And the fact that all their kids are on social media and that some of their kids are doing this or that and the next thing. And, yeah, it is it does become that competition for likes and for follows and, and all the rest. And I don't know. Do you, ha- do you have any ideas or suggestions on, on how parents or teachers can can talk to kids about things like that and, and how that how that can be solved?
2: Yeah, I would. There's a couple of resources out there. Um, one of the ones I found lately is Wait Till Eighth. Um, and that's a, um, it's a a pledge, sorry, a pledge. And they say that, you know, you get to get flip phones until eighth grade. Some people would still say, uh, uh, high school, but, um, what it is, is you're going to, it gives you resources to help you have the conversations that, you know, everyone might have, everyone has a smartphone. So I have to give myself, my kid a, a smartphone, but there's conversations you can have around, you know, what do we need a cell phone for? And is it, you know, does a flip phone work? And there actually are actually our kids who are taking a pledge on their own and asking for flip phones. And they're actually selling their iPads, sorry, iPhones, because they um, realize that it's uh, affecting their grades and affecting their anxiety and social emotional health. So, so um, it's kind of neat when I can, I see pictures of kids like, look, at, I got I got a flip phone. <laughs> um, but there are so are things out there like the Family Online Safety Institute. I think Gina um, is actually the one that I shared that and I found that. Um, and then also creating a family media guide coming up with a contract. Um, I was in a classroom uh, just last fall and they it was a fourth grade classroom. And they had asked their, their, uh, the teacher had asked the students, how many of you have a smartphone and, and, and then how do you, you have access to Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and then text messaging. And then I was shocked to see that a ton of them had Snapchat and Instagram is in fourth grade. But then the next thing that was kind of um, an eye opener to me is, do you have rules? And over 50% of them did not have any rules, Um, I think actually I take that back. I think four of them out of the 10 that had a smartphone did not have rules. Um, And so thinking through like what, how do we set um, guidelines uh, at home? So do we have screen-free zones? I know parents, and I know there's a lot of pledges out there that you say, you know what, uh, dinner for a uh, phone-free screen-free dinner um, or things like that, or just the kitchen table. There's no, you know, phone, but then also, you know, someone said, well, what if we're talking having a really good discussion and a question comes up and we want to, you know, grab our phone to look it up. Then, yeah. I mean, I think we also live in a world that that is a uh, accessible to us to find a quick answer. And so, and I think there's always going, I think we have to be flexible as well. So I think it is important to have a contract, but then also be flexible. Um, And then also things like, um, you know, making sure that we're modeling for our our kids, too. Um, I've seen a lot of stories of kids saying, you know, my mom only does things um, because she wants me to because she wants to post it on Facebook um, or she wants to post it on Twitter. And then it's like our kids are coming up with that, you know, are getting their self-esteem and they're getting their self-worth through through social media. And so we want to make sure that they're getting their self-worth from us, um, not just social media.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really tough one. I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was, it wasn't about parenting, but he was talking about, you know, his his own use of of his devices at home and he has two young kids, he's five and seven year old and uh, I think it was his five year old said, oh, he wanted him to come in and just be in the room while he built some Lego or something and he said to his dad, he goes, you can bring your phone if you want and his dad was like oh man he said that hit him like a dagger in the heart sort of thing and he said after that point it was he decided you know we we have to make some changes and like one of the things they do is like he has his phones all him and his wife have phones on uh, do not disturb like between 5.30 and 7.30 when the kids go to bed or something like that and you know it it's just a small thing but for two hours they're not like they're not hearing notifications they're not getting notifications that makes them want to go and pick up their phones but at the same time like you said at the dinner table if they're having that good conversation they can still pick up their phone and like do a a search for something but they just won't see any notifications on there so it's about getting that balance uh, i think in there for sure
2: it is. And I, um, we can link to the show notes too. Colin Karnas did a TEDx, a TEDx talk. Um, he lives in Utah. And so he did it there. And that was one of his like opening eye opening thing is when his daughter came home and had, and I talked about how, um, his, how he was always on his phone. And he said, his daughter didn't realize that he was on his phone to make money. You know, was, he was, he, it was a part of his job. And so he had kind of made a pledge, to say, you know, or a pact that he would not do that. And so, um, that Ted talk is, is something that, uh, was really informational for me. And he had kind of started with, he had teachers. So going back, I know we talked a little bit about parents, even for teachers. So what he had done is he had gone into a classroom and asked, what is one thing my parents don't know about social media? And the responses that he got, you know, that's kind of so back last March. Um, that's kind of what made me think, okay, you know, maybe I need to look into this, look into this a little more, um, because it was just it, um, it's very eye opening for me. I guess for have fourth grader, I think it was fourth or fifth graders um, sharing some of the things that uh, they're experiencing on social media that none of us um, have any sort of uh, experience with, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what's trickiest
0: because a lot of times when we parent or even as we teach, we look back on our own experiences and we don't have these experiences. So we can't say like, here's my advice or this is how I got through this, which is how we get, you know, help our kids through a lot of, you know, friend issues that they have. But we're like, we're totally on on uncharted waters right now as far as offering support for our kids. Um, So one of the things I do try, I just recently lost my phone for two days. It was awesome. It was the best thing ever. I'm not, I don't really love all the notifications I get all the time. Um, But one of the things I try and do with my kids is I try not to be on social media a lot. But when I am, I'm playing words with friends. And I always tell my kids like, hey, I'm doing this because it gives my brain an exercise. I'm working with my brain right now. The other thing is, is if I'm looking up an answer to something that we were talking about, I'll say to them, hey, right now, the reason I'm on my phone is because I'm looking up you know, why, how, how far whales travel, because that's a question that we have right now. But I try and narrate why I'm using my phone when I'm using my phone so that they understand, like, I'm not just picking it up because I'm not interested in what you're doing right now or what you're talking about, but because what you're saying makes me think of, you know, a question that you have or something that I'm thinking about. That's the best I can do. Right. I don't know. I don't. Yeah.
2: I think those are the ways that like when we kind of do those are modeling, you know, those are things that like we're doing those think alouds for our kids. And it's not that you've not that you have to feel like you have to justify why you're on your phone, but it is. It's like, oh, so my kid instead of like, oh, we're sitting in the waiting room and I have nothing to do and I'm bored. I'm picking up my phone and said, no, like I have a question or I have I need a I need a, you know, a brain, um, a brain break or, a, you know, like you're giving yourself, you have that self-regulation. You're, you're modeling why you're on your phone and it's not because, you know, your kids are boring you or something.
0: Well, I mean, Marissa, sometimes <laughs> they are. Let's be serious. Well, and
1: sometimes we all need sometimes a break I'm trying we need to escape
0: to my children.
2: Exactly. Exactly. God bless
0: them, but yes.
2: <laughs> um, and one of the things that uh, I, I I linked on our show notes, too, is the 48-hour screen time experiment, experiment ABC News just did. Um, they had a, 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 pair, a couple families to, uh, get rid of or take away all screens for 48 hours. And some of the things that the kids even said that they were doing, and, and one of the parents said, I mean... The, the, what the kid? it was all different ages and what the parents said you know is that they had you know game time and they had like the conversations that they were having and then and then one family had no so that's the thing one family had no restrictions so some of the kids were on the computer or on their um uh screens for I know all hours of the night while the other one 48 hours had strict restrictions of none and then they kind of compared um how the experiment went so that was a very interesting um news clip there if you're interested in checking that out
1: Marissa have you ever had um, teachers come to you and and ask about uh, like using cell phones in the classroom or you know whether cell phones should be banned in the classroom or how to manage cell phones in the classroom have you come across anything like that or, or what kind of things do you say to your teachers about that
2: yeah, I have. I think that it's a huge classroom management task, and I think anytime that we enter devices into our classrooms, um, it is uh, classroom management. And so, um, a couple of things that I say is, you know, if you have, I don't know, if you have access to a school issued devices um, such as Chromebooks or iPads or. Um, things like that, I would rather them use those devices in in the classrooms because we know that those are um, filtered and they are able to, you know, we're able to see the history and and things like that. There's, you know, we have things in place to keep kids safe. Um, but then know that, uh, that's not going to work for all classrooms. And so I did see one of the classrooms and some of our classrooms are actually starting to go this route is doing kind of a shoe holder, a pocket shoe holder. Um, back in the day, you usually see calculators in them, but I have seen some teachers now having kids like check their phones in and putting it in there. Um, and that way, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. Um, because one of the things, like if you're sitting in class and if we think back to our, you know, our seventh grade self or eighth grade self, and all of a sudden, you know, one person gets a text message message and they're sitting there and they're reading it, and they're laughing, they're smiling. Then, you know, the rest of the class are like, oh my gosh, you know, what are they looking at? What are they doing? Am I missing out on that? It's like fear of missing out. And so, you know, thinking about the distractions that those, um, can bring into our classroom. I saw a teacher, um, just last week or two weeks ago, she had allowed the kids all to have their phones and all to have their notifications on. And she, they had to then tally how many notifications they got from any social media or any text messages or anything. And the, oh my gosh, it was just her fourth period. And and so I was shocked to see how much instruction time was lost. And she acknowledged that this is not something she does every day. Like she usually has the kids um, turn it on silent. But as many times as the kids were receiving notifications just during her fourth hour, um, could really, you know, how can how can teachers, um, how are teachers supposed to, that's what they're competing against is those notifications. And so how can we, you know, monitor, or how can we kind of, keep those, um, away from, or keep those notifications, um, to a minimum. And honestly, isn't everyone in school (laughs) when most of us are in school? Um, I'm kind of, I was very surprised to see that there's still that many notifications going on, but
0: well, and I think even as adults, we deal with that, right? Like we go out to dinner with our friends and everybody's got their phone out. And pretty soon you're like, geez, everybody's looking at their phone, but none of us are talking to one another. Yeah. So frustrating, right? And if, I mean, even as adults we are having a hard time self-regulating like that, it's got to be even worse for our kids. It I is. did see um, something, and I can't remember because it was super funny how it was, how um, the teacher put it, but um, she would have her kids, her kids could keep their phones at their desks so if they had to flip them over and she had something something that she said and all of the kids would flip their phones over so that they wouldn't see the notifications they were getting um but then she'd also have times in her classroom where the kids could flip their phones back over and you know check their notifications quick if they needed to or use their phones but um even something simple as that where and 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 the observer whoever it was and I wish I could remember but um, said it was really something because all she said was this one trigger word and all of the kids just picked up their phones and flipped them over and knew that they were going to have a classroom discussion and that, you know, phones need to be put away. But um I think sometimes, too, when we ask our kids to put our phones completely away, then they try and find ways around that. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of an interesting way to not feel like we were – like locking down the phones that they were still accessible to kids because otherwise they're going to find a way to work around you because that's what kids do, right? That's the fun of it is trying to find a way around the rules and regulations of things. But um, just having some definite classroom, um, I don't know, rules or, or um, regulations yeah. that isn't completely locked down but still is a community um, or a culture sort of thing. Like, hey, we're all we're all together now put your phones, you know, flip your phones over or whatever. So,
2: Yeah, and I think modeling that and have the having those routines in your classroom, hopefully then, you know, if they're home and they're studying and they're home or they're doing something, then they're like, oh, you know, this is a task that's going to require my full attention. I need to put my phone away or I need to, you know, put it on do not disturb and that way modeling that in the classroom and practicing mm-hmm. that. But hopefully then, you know. They would do it at home too. The other right, thing I absolutely. thought about is those. Um, you know, we talked about the um, screen-free dinner uh, dinner table, but also th- places in the, our in our class in our buildings to have screen-free. You know, there yeah, are like I- little little nooks or like one lunch table, you know, or one little table at the library or something, just so that our kids know that. If they cuz I know for me, I have someone I used to work with that types really really loud. And so oh, if I'm sitting really? next to
0: <laughs> me too. You do I too? do too. Uh-huh. So
2: sometimes if I'm sitting next to that person, uh I'm completely distracted and I can't, you know, be to my best ability because I'm completely distracted by their loud loud typing. And right. so I think we and even, you know, oh they got a notification or sometimes, you know, someone takes a phone call. It's like no, like sometimes I want to disconnect, and so are there places in our schools that our kids mm-hmm. can be disconnect or can disconnect? Because mm-hmm.
0: either other people's notifications are distracting too.
2: It, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that idea of like a like a haven for digital devices is interesting. I I remember like last time I went to the UK on some of the trains that they have like some of the carriages are they call them like phone free zones where you can sit in this carriage if you want but you're not s-
0: s- like a car is that what we're talking about are you calling it a carriage <laughs> like a train car
1: a, a coach I-, I don't know you know those co-
0: i feel like we're on cinderella all of a sudden
1: okay we're not on cinderella
0: <laughs> no a train car though a- is what okay. you're saying right a tra- is that what you guys call it is a, a carriage
1: a carriage correct
0: a carriage. Yes. Okay, I'm with you. No horses or to pumpkins attached for the rest of us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: But they would have a train car that was a phone-free zone, and they had these stickers up everywhere nice. that said "no phones." And you know, I don't know how well they enforced that, but it's one of those visual things that you walk in, you're like, oh, okay. Well, if you're intending on doing some work or Using your phone, then you go sit somewhere else, and the people that yeah. want to have that distraction-free environment can have that. And maybe there's places we can do that around our schools too, just to yeah, give a kids idea. a digital yeah. break in, in these one-to-one environments that we that we have today.
2: Absolutely, and there's also things that on our phones we can set up too. Um, we can link to some down below, but um, I, for one of my, I have Android phone, and so I use something called Quality Time. And that's something that will tell me, like, you've spent your, a lot of time, or, cause I can set my, um, how much time I want to spend. And so I'm trying to, you know, continuously get that, um, decrease that time. And so it will tell me, you know, you've spent, um, so much time online or on this certain app, it's time to take a break. Research would say, blah, blah. blah. And so it would kind of be blurbs. And there's times where, especially if the kids are in bed and I, you know, just doing my watching my mindless TV, I'm like, yep, I know I'm spending too much time. But that's also, I understand that about myself. Um, whereas there's also things where it will say, because like, I know in iOS too, um, one of the latest upgrade or updates um, will allow you to um, put screen or limits on your screen use as well as let you know how much time you're using in each app. Um, there's also things that called, I saw, what was the other one? palm so palm came out with a phone that's literally as big as your palm and it's only are you do you know what i'm talking about yes i do (laughs) and so it's literally as big as like your palm and it only gives you access to the things that are you absolutely need um i i just kind of dabbled in it a little bit uh i'm not i mean there's no way that i would be able to go that route um but for some people that works for them
1: yeah, wouldn't that be a, a really interesting digital citizenship type conversation if you had the kids, you know, with iPhones, look at screen time or with Android, look at the digital wellness stuff they have there and just think about and compare and, you know, take a note, like how many notifications did you get each day? How much time are you spending on this app or that app? And then pull all that data in and then have a conversation around that. You know, is that good? Is that bad? Is that something we should think about or, or not? And why?
2: Yeah, and actually, and there are things, even other things on your phone that you can do, like turning off notifications for certain apps. You know, like I turn my work uh, Gmail off, and so I don't get work notifications on my phone. Um, I did that one time on (laughs) heading on vacation. I just never turned it back on. And so, because it understanding that you can, can take, you can take control of your phone and you can take control of your device by setting those settings up, you know, setting up that, you know, do not disturb from a certain times at night, um, you know, not letting, you know, turn it like even on Instagram, you know, if someone likes my comment, just turn it off. Um, there are things that, you know, because there are people, um, developers and psychologists that are putting these or building these apps that want you to spend as much time as you can on their devices. And so thinking about how to take control of your phone instead of letting your phone control you. People say like a notification is kind of like, you know, pulling the handle on a slot machine. You just never know what you're going to get. And so when you're at a slot machine, you want to keep pulling the thing and pulling the thing. And so that's kind of what the phone is. Like every time you unlock it, every time you get a notification, it's like, oh, you know, what am I going to get? So it's that comp, it's that immediate, um, rush of endorphins. And sometimes, um, our brains are constantly at that high level of, um, endorphins. And we don't always know how to, you know, if you take a iPad away from a four-year-old, five-year-old, um, they might go crazy. I kids have. And so it's because they're at that high, you know, they're, and and they, they're getting that, um, device taken away that's giving them that high. And so some people would say that sometimes our devices are, um, like a drug.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like great advice for teachers as well because, you know, people who have not been in this profession might think that teachers only work 8 to 3.30, but, I mean, that's not true. I mean, I I'm like you. I have Gmail on my phone for work, but it's buried in a folder somewhere and I don't have the notifications turned on. If I need it and I'm out somewhere and I have to access something, I can go in there and dig around and find it. But... I, I never know that it's there most of the time because I try to treat my treat my phone as like my personal device in terms mm-hmm. of putting some kind of divide between work and what I use uh, my phone for, so you know thinking about ways to limit those distractions so that you do get a chance to turn off and don't drive yourself insane.
2: It's interesting, too, because we just heard about a, a professor actually he- here in Iowa. Um, he's from Denmark, and he's actually he had come here for three months and he's already headed back because he just could not understand how people work past four o'clock here and how he was mm-hmm. getting emails past four o'clock. He said he just he could not. There were some other factors, too, but that was one of the things that he's like, no. He's like, we work from eight to four. We do not answer emails. We do not write emails. We don't do any of that past four o'clock. And so I think it's also, you know, uh, you know, in society, we always see people on our phone. And, and I think, and I'm a person that if, you know, if I'm up at, you know, and I'm I think I was eating, writing emails at 10 o'clock last night, you know? And so I think we just, uh, we need to learn how to self-regulate and figure out what works for us. And knowing that not, it's not like this everywhere. <laughs>
1: So maybe to to round up let's uh, can you maybe recommend some some resources or yeah. places that people could go to find out more about this and and get some more ideas?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I kind of have a broad spectrum of some books that I've read. Um and they all can seem a little one-sided and they all but they're also different ends of the spectrum on this um continuum uh one of the books is glow kids is uh you know screen time with kids um that's one of the that's the second one i read um some people uh it, it will resonate with some people it, it was a tough read to understand to fully um understand um what screens are doing in social media and games but it was it opened my eyes to a lot of things um the the first one i did read is reset your child's brain And it was, uh, taking a four week screen free detox. And so we did do that as a family, um, and, uh, last June. And it was very interesting to, uh, go through. Um, I would say once again, on that spectrum, there are definitely chapters and things that I'm like, okay, I'm not, I, it was good to understand, but I'm not, I can't fully say I'm on board with all of that. Um, One a little bit closer to the middle is uh, Raising Humans in a Digital World by Diane Graber. Um, Very much is just helping kids build a healthy relationship with technology. Um, Just acknowledging that it's out there and how do we raise them. And then there's also Common Sense Media has a really great um, digital wellness curriculum. Um, They just, uh, I know you mentioned this before in the podcast, they do, they just put out their latest third grade through eighth grade um, curriculum. And so they updated the third grade through eighth grade. And so they have a whole component on digital uh, wellness and self-regulation and the videos and the activities that go with those are, I, I feel like they're, I highly recommend checking those out. Um, another, some of our school districts, and I don't know if you guys have had a green in, uh, at Grant Wood, but they've had a uh, screen, screenagers. Um, they've had a screening of screenagers. Um, whereas it's a video that you, uh, that you can show. Um, I've had some districts have shared it with uh, kids during the day and then had a parent screening at night. Um, just a little bit of understanding of how, um, of, of digital media, of, us. Uh, social media and screens for kids. And then the last one I'll share is uh, the net latest one that actually Jeff Glade shared with me um, we're looking more into is the Digital Citizenship Project. Um, it's a little bit under, more understanding about the... Um, the reputation you want to build, the um, more of the social emotional um, aspects of uh, digital uh, digital citizenship that um, some of the other curriculums have missed. So we're looking forward into we're looking into um, looking forward to looking into that one a little bit more. That's a lot of great resources.
0: Yeah, and lots of stuff I hadn't heard of. Well, I mean, a couple of them I have, but mm-hmm. for the most part, all new. So thank you so much for sharing those, and thanks for coming and sharing your wealth of knowledge it's good conversation for sure
2: you're welcome well thank you so much for inviting me it was been it's been fun
1: all
0: right so up next my favorite part of the show is tech nuggets wiley i'm gonna start because my voice is starting to fade out here how's that sound go for it okay So I believe that I've already mentioned this before, but I shared it yesterday um, at our blended learning cadre and people were shocked and someone told me it was going to change their life. So I'm going to share it again. Oh my gosh. It's called, I know, I know. It wasn't even on my list. Like it was just one of those little nuggets and I'm like, oh, well, what about this? And then the whole room exploded. It's funny how sometimes those things work out, but um, it's the talk and comment Chrome extension. um, And... What the Talk and Comment Chrome extension allows you to do is to... um, You click on your little Talk and Comment. It'll show up in your Chrome bar where the rest of your Chrome extensions um, show up. But actually, it also shows up over on the right-hand side of um, your screen and wherever you are in your um, browser. And you click on it, and it instantly starts recording your voice. So um, then after you're done recording your comment it automatically generates a small uh, a quick link for you. And you can add that anywhere. So you can share it with your students. Where teachers were looking to use it was um, as audio cr- comments and feedback that they were providing for students on their docs. Um, also, it's something that students could use. So instead of um, typing things out, they could use audio comments or this talking comment to um, – respond with audio links instead. It also works in different things here and there. So uh, Gina had mentioned yesterday it works inside Actively Learn, which is her forte, of course, um, and she was super excited about that. But it's kind of a Chrome extension to experiment with here and there to see where it works and where it fits in, and sometimes it doesn't too, of course. Um, one thing that I would mention is that refreshes your friend when you use talk and comment. So if you are have created an um, audio comment what you'll want to do is refresh your browser because sometimes those links get a little wonky if you haven't refreshed your browser. Sometimes it for it it forgets to forget the link that you have already generated. So um, that's just a little bit of a pro tip, but apparently life
2: changing. Can I add a tip on that too?
0: Yes, I yeah. did
2: notice that when that's on, um, it is really hard to scroll through documents that are uh, like over five pages.
1: For some oh. reason,
2: um, we were looking at documents and all of us who had talk and comment could not scroll or it took forever for it, us to scroll. So we actually have to end up turning it on and off depending on oh. when we're ready to. So if really? you know, it's not a problem for you, then great. If you're realizing that, you know, it's hard for you to scroll, then just delete it. And I have it been
0: noticing it's been hard for me to scroll. And that's why you think that is? That's, hmm. what that's interesting
1: app is uh this extension is new to me um what is it so
0: i haven't mentioned it before i don't think so oh because we talked about it it was a way of excuse me adding audio into google slides that's how we first started messing with it of sorts of sorts it's a way of adding audio into slides
1: what does it look like when you share the link with somebody like if you shared it with me and i don't have talking comment installed what do i get do i get a website with a a player on it or do i just get like an audio player with a link to where it was recorded
0: um no i don't think you have to have talk talk and comment to hear the audio it just gives you a little link
1: all right good one mindy Carney. um i got uh, i got three here a couple or maybe yeah, on the quicker that. side but yeah okay. um so i've had a lot of people asking me recently about google sites or i've had to do a bit of Google Sites training uh, with people recently on the new Google Sites. And I happened mm-hmm. to come across this page from Chris Bitter, who is an Australian educator. And he works for EdTech Team in Australia. And he has a Google Site put together. And I thought this was interesting. Is He's got a page full of all the things that you can embed onto a Google Site. Well, maybe not all the things, but some, some good examples of things you might embed quite often so things like uh, street view google photos tour Creator, spark page spark video twitter soundcloud flipgrid ted talks padlets wakelets all those kinds of things you can put on there and some of them are are interesting because like you think you would just take the embed code and put it in and it works but it's not always that simple like for google street view for instance You choose the embed option, he says, but don't paste the embed code. Instead, paste it into the by URL section, and you have to take out a little bit of the code at the beginning in order to make that work. So I thought this was an intriguing look at the best way to embed some of those things in Google Sites. So if you've got a teacher... Website or your kids are doing e portfolios inside of Google Sites. There's some examples here of what that could look like if you're doing SoundCloud audio or putting a Flipgrid in or, or something nice. else. So that was just short and quick.
0: Yeah. Um, I So those design thinking cards that uh, we created for one of our TMI episodes, um, I think you, with the embed codes that you put into Google's um sites, even with the uh Google Slides embed code, you have to have the confidence to go in there and mess with the embed code a little bit. So just go in there and mess with sizes and mess with different things because um even like with the Google Slides, when you publish it to the web, it allows you to only flash through a slide a second. But with that, I needed it to flash through faster than that. And I could do that with the embed code, but I couldn't do it with the published to web. So you have to just get in there and start messing around with it and see what happens. All right. So um, this I saw today on um, the Twitters. Uh, Carmen San Diego is coming to Google Earth.
1: Oh, my kids would like that.
0: Yeah. So I tried to play with it a little bit today. Um, but I couldn't quite figure it out and how it works. Um, so... What I could do today when I was reading this blog post, and we'll link that in the show notes, um, if I clicked on the link in this blog post that takes me actually to what it's called is the...
1: The Crown Jewels um, Caper?
0: Yes. So I could find it in the Crown Jewels Caper link on um, just the link on the web. When I downloaded the app, though, it downloaded – the link in here downloaded me to Google Earth, which makes me think I have to find the pegman of Carmen San Diego somewhere on Google Earth, but I couldn't find her. So I don't have 100% confidence in giving, like, detailed directions on how to do this, but I definitely think it's something worth playing with because we've talked about Carmen San Diego on this show, like, three or four times. <laughs> we when have. It, this is like, almost oh, news and follow-up right here. We have to talk about this. Yeah. Yes. So – um when I went on the web, though, it's super fun because um, you can do interviews of people. You can hop on the plane and take you other places. Um, so just some different things to do to actually get into the game of Carmen San Diego. So I think it's worth taking a look at if you are a Carmen San Diego lover like you and I are.
1: It's fun. It says, where on Google Earth is Carmen San Diego? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So play with that one. That one's fine.
1: My kids enjoyed the Netflix uh, cartoon series And I, I heard yeah. I heard they're doing a movie as well based on the oh, same really? characters. It may be like a live action movie, but they're having the same people that do the voices be the actors. Nice. So something to look forward to.
0: We like it too. My kids are always like, is she good or is she bad? It's always a good moral dilemma. She's stealing stuff, but from bad people, mom. I know. I know. Robin Hood. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: All right. So um, I'm going to be a little self-indulgent with this one, but I have an AR app, which I've think i've done probably for like the last two or three tech nuggets now but i came yeah. across this one here called portal ar step into scotland which i thought was a fun um,
0: oh sure app
1: based on the idea of portals which you maybe which i know you've seen before yeah. mindy and in different ar apps so you create this portal and then you walk through it and you are in scotland and there's yeah. different scenes and different categories. They sort it into, like, uh, I don't know, like business or, you know, um, eating out or um, going on an adventure. And it takes you into different things you can do. It's created by the Scottish Tourist Board, basically. But it's uh, very informative. It's got lots of information and facts and uh, 360 videos and images and things on there that you can look at. If you uh, want to see what it's like in my homeland, I think it could be. Uh, useful for social studies or you know maybe in ela you're reading a story about a character who's from scotland and you're wondering what it's like he's in his garage he's in his garage yes garage there
0: it is or in his carriage garage
1: so uh portal ar step in scotland it is free and i think it gives it made me feel a little bit homesick when i was uh, looking at some of this stuff because i'm familiar with a lot of this on there, but yeah. you can go parasailing uh, over the top of like Edinburgh cool. Castle. You can go on a motorcycle through the Highlands of Scotland. You can, um, go and see. Oh, my
0: Highlander. Okay. Yeah.
1: You can go see.
0: Motorcycling. Sure. Right.
1: There can be only one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can go visit the Kelpies and see some things over there, too. The Kelpies are these huge, um, metal statues of horse heads which sounds like really kind of random what? but if you download the app you'll be able to, to go and see those sculptures and see what those look like
0: oh we can see where you came from
1: uh, yeah love that Yeah. <laughs> and the other uh, short one I had was kind of a fun one I think because I didn't know this was possible but whether I'm at home or at work I do spend a lot of time on Apple devices I know you do as well Mindy although you're maybe thinking of defecting to Samsung. Um, But I came across this uh, article, um, I think it was PC World or something weird, um, that said, you can copy and paste things between your Apple devices. And I thought, no, that cannot be right, but you can. You can copy a link on like Safari on your iPhone and paste it into your Mac. You can copy a photo from iOS and paste it into a document on your iPad.
0: I feel like I've made this happen by accident before. Yeah. Like something will come up on my screen and it's like pasting from MacBook Pro or something like that, yeah. like onto my phone. And I I don't know how I do it and I'm not intentionally doing it, but I, I knew that this happened, but I don't know how to make it happen. So
1: all you need is Bluetooth and Wi-Fi turned on and then okay. Apple devices have got a feature called Handoff, which is typically okay. on by default, but um, uh-huh. yeah, I was just kind of blew my mind a little bit that if you copy yeah. something you'll be or start browsing for something on your phone and you're like wait a minute i need i need a bigger screen for this i need to do some more typing or something and you can just right. copy the link and then go over to your mac or whatever nice. paste the link and there it is so i'll put a link to that All in right. the show notes for anyone that wants to see it good one all right. We should say thank you again to Marissa. Um, I put on the show notes here. If people want to spend more time on their screens, where can they find you online? Yes.
2: Well, yes. Yeah, so we're, we're all adults. We know how to use our, spe- our screens effectively usually. But um, I would say the uh, easiest way to contact me is through Twitter, at doll. Yeah, just Twitter.
0: Yes. So I am at Team Corny on Twitter, and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLGWAEA, and you can use our hashtag EdTech Takeout to tag the show. If you prefer, you can send us an email to podcast at GWAEA.org.
1: So until next time.
0: This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.
1: For more information
0: on today's episode, please visit DLGWAEA.org slash podcast.